Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. All right, joining me now for a look back at the 10 biggest questions for the 2022-23 season, all the way from the East Coast, my dad. How are you doing, dad? I'm good, thanks, Jess. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. And uh, my dad's friend, Jeff. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm great, Jesse. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. And for anybody listening who has not heard these two gentlemen before, uh, Jeff and my dad grew up together. Sorry, Jeff and my dad grew up together in Ottawa. Uh, Both moved out to Los Angeles roughly the same time in their lives, not for any particular reason connected to one another. And uh, the two of them had season tickets at the Great Western Forum, Section 12, Row 9, Seats 1 and 2. We split them. And then when Crypto.com, then Staples Center was opened, we all moved. I don't remember the first section the tickets were in at Crypto. Do you guys, Dan? 301 or 302, I think. Does that sound right, Jeff? I can't remember. But it was like only a year or two, and then we moved to Section 320, Row 1, Seats 9 and 10. So, guys, we're going to hop in. And uh, at the beginning of the season, I asked Nick Nixon and Jim Fox to join me, and we laid out the 10 biggest questions facing the Kings for this season. We're going to go through. It's 22 games, so we're basically at the quarter mark. And we're going to go through and revisit those 10 questions. Uh, the first question is one that I always add because I actually think it's just as important as anything that happens with the Kings. But, of course, we never talk about it. We never really think about it. And when you're listening to fans of any team, you never hear them say like, yeah, well, what are you going to do? This team went on a heater. But the question is, how will the rest of the Pacific Division perform? Jeff, you currently live in Seattle, so I'll start with you because the Kraken are surprisingly good this year. Any any surprises from you 22 games into the season on the rest of the Pacific Division? Well, starting with them, I mean, it's unexpected. <clears throat> but the question obviously is, can it be sustained? Um, you know, I watched them play a couple of times, and it's very possible that they will be able to sustain it uh, because they play a really good system and they seem to be really committed to it. So, you know, I think nowadays with so much parity and everything, uh, consistency, and we're probably going to talk about consistency down the line here today, but, um, but, but really, you know, they have given their, their commitment to their system. Uh, they're the kind of team that can sustain consistency. They have some really good young players. They have some vets. And their goaltending, <coughs> excuse me, uh, has been solid. And so, um, you know, they're they're a surprise, and I don't think they're going away. Um, you know, so that that's you know uh, that's them. You know, and 
you know, Vancouver the other day. I mean, I think they really underperformed off the bat, but uh, they have so many, they have so much uh, potency, you know, I, I, I think they're going to rise. Uh, as for our, our neighbors uh, close to us, um, I don't think they're going to be a threat. Uh, you know, they're I'm assuming you're talking about the ducks, ducks and ducks and sharks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we need to worry about them. <coughs> it's but, surprising uh, how bad the ducks are doing that, given that they have some really good young players. Um, you know, some of the best. Uh, yeah. But I mean, is it that surprising? Like, I don't feel like they've significantly changed who they are over the last five or six years. Uh, no, I, well, I mean, they, you know, they, they've done the transition out of Harry gets laugh, et cetera, into Zegras and what's his name? Uh, they still have the goalie. I mean, I, I don't think they'll be great. I'm surprised they're doing quite as poorly as they are. Um, the Sharks, funnily enough, and they said it last night, right? That, uh, Carlson's having an incredible year. And so then I was like, well, yeah, every time he has an incredible year, it's good. The team's horrible. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. All those years in Ottawa where he was winning Norris trophies, the team wasn't very good most of the time. Um, so I don't, I'm not worried about the Sharks. And the real questions are Edmonton and Calgary. Yeah. And Calgary's, it's such an incredible change that they went through that it's hard to know what, what, what will end up, will end up being because, I, uh, Uberdo's great. I mean, I watched him a lot, but it's still a real change. And Edmonton is just always Edmonton. <laughs> yes, Edmonton's problems are well documented, and the the name changes, but the problem stays exactly. the same. Yeah, goalie names change, but they're always yeah. And so the sort of silver is... lining for me for the beginning of the season, you know, the Kings are presently in second place in the division in points, but fourth in point percentage. Yeah, and you know, e- could easily drop further if Calgary or Edmonton get themselves together. And that has sort of been the silver lining is that Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver are all underperforming in Seattle, but, but Seattle is overperforming, right? Last year, everybody thought Vegas would be the team they are this year. They weren't and Calgary is way better. So, but but you're right. If Calgary and Edmonton get their act together, which I think they will. And I think we're fighting. Did you say that? Do you say that? Did you say that you think they will? Yes. Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, if you look at those three teams, uh, Oilers, Flames, and us, uh, it's the same struggle. It's a struggle for consistency. On one night, they look like a a Stanley Cup champ. On the next night, they, you know, look like the bottom of the heap, you know, and that's what's so frustrating. And And I've seen... Uh, each of those three teams act in that same way. And so the challenge will be really who's going to be able to go to the next level, right? And and establish yeah. some consistency. And then you get into the whole uh, subject of, well, why does a team get inconsistent? Or why is a team inconsistent? What's the cause of that? More importantly, what's the solution to that? And, and uh, probably... There are variations with each of those three teams in terms of their inconsistencies, but the bottom line is that um, you know it's a it's a problem uh, that uh, is you know a team problem. 
Ultimately, and, I could well imagine that uh, on all the Flames men and all the Oilers men right now, they are having the same conversation, only saying, you know, if the Kings sort themselves out. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. Look out. So I, I only think, and Edmonton's always Edmonton, but, you know, when you have the two arguably best players, I just think at some point they're not going to miss the playoffs. It would, yeah, it would be shocking if they didn't. Yeah, so we're going to... Like I said the other day, McDavid is 25, and before the Kings, right, he was on a two-point-per-game two pace. And so I looked up Gretzky, and the year that Gretzky got the 200 points, he was 25. Yeah. So You know, he's, he's rounding it. I mean, yeah. And and yeah. listen, <laughs> Jeff said it. If they figure it out, yeah. uh, it'll be something to contend with. So let's talk about the LA yeah. Kings. So question number nine, what role will injury and illness play in the 2022-23 season? The reason we included this at the start of the season, obviously, is that last year it played an incredible role. This year, it obviously hasn't been as widespread, but I'd argue that at least early, it's been just as impactful. Um, we have talked to Zach Dooley about this. You know, we've heard them mention it on the telecast, but Alex Iafalo being out and Quentin Byfield being in Ontario recovering from an illness totally changes that third line that started out the season. Iafalo, Byfield, yeah. and Blardy. And Lemieux being unavailable for the fourth line fundamentally changes the identity of that line, which was so effective for the last year and 20 games whatever it was and sean dersey now being day-to-day sean walker still trying to recapture his game recovering from the injury last year again not as widespread as last year but if we're talking about consistency consistency plagues this team and part of that is because the lineup is inconsistent well i agree um i'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian here sure with this, and that is to say, um, I think the injuries and illnesses are actually in some ways a good thing, uh, okay. especially at this point of the season, because it gives the opportunity to see people you otherwise wouldn't have seen. Um, and because th- there, we have a pretty big stock of potential NHL players and probably more of them than spaces for them right and so very polite way of saying too many people (laughs) i've never been accused of being polite before (laughs) i I appreciate the effort (laughs) thank you well i'm on my toe you know i'm 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 watching my p's and q's please six so um (laughs) the first time he was polite (laughs) so yeah, I mean, I think that it will end up being helpful in that regard. I wouldn't say that if it was like, okay, we're entering into the final 20 games of the season, right? Mm-hmm. But at this point of the season, um, I think it has some value uh, for that, you know, for that reason. So, um, but you're right. I mean, talking about if the theme of this shows inconsistency, certainly you're right, Jesse, That's uh, that has played a significant role. And at the third line, you could argue the third line is, uh, you know, the is the answer to the whole problem, right? It, 
Well, so, yeah, so I, last year, you know, there were stretches where the team didn't have a third line, right? You know, it was Kupari for however many games and Byfield was out. And, you know, you knew what the second line was once Moore got put there. You knew what the top line was. You knew what the fourth line was. And there was no idea what the third line was. Todd McClellan was asked about it. You know, there were the comments about not breaking up three lines to save one. This year, and <clears throat> Dad, you and I, I think we're talking about it a week ago. Once they put Velarde on the third line, and or excuse me, Fiala on the third line, right, and moved Fiala to the top line, you sort of had a Fiala had to sort of be the dominant force on his own line, and yeah. when it was Kupari and Grundstrom, and then Velarde with Kopitar and Kempe, you, you sort of handcuffed two lines down. You know, like you couldn't really do anything with it and so you had nine forward spots with only two or three players available to interchangeable right because Kopitar and Kempe aren't going that's I think that's it's great the second line's great but it Mm -hmm. does mean you're trying to fit seven guys into those other two lines maybe eight guys if Byfield comes back and then Mm -hmm. it's okay so you move Velarde and Fiala but now you know, then Byfield gets hurt. So I, I, I do think that's a lot of the inconsistency is is those bottom two lines, which, you know, whatever that is, 14, 15 minutes, um, are always being moved around. And I, I mean, I agree with Jeff. It is. It's great. Okay, so you get to see Kupari, and we're getting to see Jad. Um, but it, it doesn't help in terms of being consistent and playing the same way every game. I guess, and and then I agree with you about the second line. uh, You know, although they were outplayed last night, yes. uh, But they're, you know, that's been a that's been a real um, uh, achievement, right? You now have that line set, right? Yeah, Uh, this is what you're building, right? You're building this structure, and that's where you're going to end up. And the same thing's going to happen happen in the defense, and the same thing's going to happen happen in net to get consistency and so you get that one line and you're on your way and i tell you last night i thought the first line looked really good and i think fiala's move to the third line was was had a very positive result Uh, it showed first of all he took it so professionally second of all you know he was so productive there with third line players and now he's back and he just seems so confident um, and that line had real jump last night, I thought, right? You know, I thought that um, yeah. whereas they didn't really look that good at the beginning, they looked way better last night. So I'm, last I'm night. sort of thinking they're on their way. Like, I think they're now, you know, you got number one line, number two line. And as you say, you know, you, you got to sort out the, you got to well, sort out the Yeah. The I mean, there are two, the two people that were supposed to be the third line, Bible and I followed are out. So yeah, it's great. We're seeing other people. I the other thing I I say this to Jesse all the time, but because the second line is set, it means it's hard to know what to do with Kalia. Because yeah. and I get it he's young, so he could be on a fourth line. But I don't know. It seems to me that he should be on a higher line. Except that there's no room. Well, Jen, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, Rob Blake himself said at some point, I don't remember when at the moment, that Arthur Kaliev needs to have a top six role. And 
Todd McClellan said at the beginning, coming into the season, I think most people assumed that the third line was going to be Ayafalo, Byfield, and Kaliev. Right. Right. And then Velarde got off to a hot start, and the conversation about Kaliev was sort of tabled. Um, but now yeah. that I follow and Byfield are unavailable, and Velarde sort of cooled off before scoring that goal last night, all of a sudden you're then sort of reminded, oh yeah, we have Arthur Kaliev, who doesn't really have with with Lemieux out and Lazat being bumped up to play with Velarde and uh, was it Grunstrom last night? Yeah, Kaliev is sort of left on this fourth line that is now you know jared anderson dolan and and uh that thank you gubari and that line doesn't have any chemistry that line doesn't have an identity so it's just just, been a basically they've just been thrown together right yes Um, and if if they're not going to get any power plays like they didn't last night they have the one but they didn't get a second one so he's not getting power play time right it's almost like it's almost like when he used to play pond hockey Right. And you just throw together the guys. Right. It'd be right. like, OK, one guy, you know, there's there's nothing uh, uh, sensible about why they were together. There's no rationale for it. It was just like, you're yeah. well, here's what we have left, you know. And no, uh, exactly. all right, so Kaliev in 21 games this year, six goals, seven assists. Um, I don't know what his. Ice to average ice time per game's been, but it's been low, especially in low. games where they don't have power plays. Yeah. Um, so he's basically been an afterthought, except for his role in the power play, which you know, come on, it's still second, second, yes. the yeah. second team yeah. power play, right? It's not yeah. like he's being featured there. Um, I think that's really productive. Okay. It's no, it is very. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But that's why uh, I think shouldn't he be? I mean, I also I, I do think that. Um, I don't want to be in trouble on this one, but I think of all their prospects in the last couple of years, he's the the most successful, right? He's the he's well, the let's top. say consistent anyway, or consistent because I mean, Byfield's been hurt or sick a lot, and then they brought in, um, you know, they brought in Dino, Fiala, Arvidsson, so there's not been a lot of room for all these prospects. So Kalia has been a real find and a real, and he's gotten better and better. Well, so that's the point, uh, right? He's gotten yeah. better and better. He, he continues to, you can tell yeah. he's worked really hard in this game that he's re- receptive to instruction, um, you know, and it remains to be seen where you put him to create something like the first two lines, right? I, I mean, yeah. in, in the great, in the, in the perfect world, you know, it would be Byfield, Velarde and Kalia. Right. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to grab all the steering here and, and veer back towards the questions, because I think some of these conversations right. will, will come up later. So the next one, and it sort of plays off of what Jeff was saying about it being a positive that the injuries have happened early is will any new players have breakout seasons or graduate from the lower leagues? It's too early to answer that question definitively, but at least 22 questions in. I'm going to say no. So far, we haven't seen anybody new. Anybody that's been in the lineup this year, we saw for significant amounts of time last year, even Muvarare. Well, um, we're not the hope is, <clears throat> the hope is, yeah, sorry. I agree with you. Your reaction yeah. is no, but the hope would be that Brant Clark would be that person. Correct. Yes. Oh, I forgot about him. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, you, you better stop forgetting about him because I think a decision <laughs> has to be made on him this weekend. Right. Well, yes. Well, I thought what they said. Yes. And no. Made sense. <laughs> Oh, I thought you didn't think what they, I thought when they said 
Well, I guess Faust said that the juniors are coming up. And yeah. so that might be at least short term where he goes. It, would, right. it, it could potentially kick the can down the road another month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Till January, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they'll have to make the decision. At that point, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting for sure. But I mean, he's good. So he's, he could be the guy. Yeah. He scored a goal in Ontario on Sunday night that, you know, when you're at the rain games, right? Not watching on TV, there aren't five different angles for the replay. And, you know, right. you just get one <laughs> replay on the Jumbotron. So if you yeah. miss a detail of the goal in the moment, that's sort of it. So I was going back and watching it again. And he's at the top of the zone, passes the puck off to a guy, you know, above the right face-off circle. He takes a shot. It gets blocked in front. All five defenders for the other team are now facing the goalie. Brant Clark is still at the blue line. The puck is stopped. It's sort of bobbling around on the goal mouth. And Clark makes a beeline from the blue line to the goal mouth through two defenders who have their back to him, who do not realize that he's skated right past them and takes the puck, makes a little pull and drag move and scores a goal really before anybody notices that he's even left his spot at the top of the, of the zone is sort of the, the balls of it was sort of incredible, even if the actual move itself was not that incredible, but just the idea that he would, you know, yeah. It wasn't an extra forward. It wasn't somebody crashing the net. It was the defenseman who started the play. Anyway, I think you're right, Jeff. That is the hope. Well, uh, yeah. I'll t- I mean, that description, I didn't see it. I'm certainly going to look it up. You know, that's all you need to know about him. The guy's, he's a, you know, he's a savant offensively, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. and the other guy who sort of playing off your no, your no, nobody is Jesse would be would be Spence, right? Yeah, yeah, but he's not Spence new. But I, I, that's what I was going to say. I, but, uh, but we'll see if he even gets in. I mean, I would have brought him up, but well, we'll get uh, to that specific issue uh, in, uh, a later, in a later, later one because, on. uh, Jesse, because... before you before you move us forward, I, I, bef- I I'm going to forget if I don't say this because mm-hmm. of my senility, but. You were you you conjured up that image of like all those defenders with their backs to the so they were facing their own goalie, mm-hmm. and that reminded me of like the old Sean Avery thing where yeah. like he would stand Brodeur, yeah. right yeah. in front of the goalie, and <clears throat> like nobody else ever did that, right? Now like, in these guys' defenses, they were the forwards up high. Defeating. I understand, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and the NHL made that illegal. Uh, if anybody is <laughs> wondering about that. So the next question is, how will the defense evolve from last season? Um, Okay. And we included that, obviously, because to start the season, we knew that the team would go into it with four right shot defense, or excuse me, five right shot defensemen um, and two left shot, Mikey Anderson and uh, Alex Edler. Um, This is the place that I think most people assume changes will happen right talking to john hoven recently and he said he didn't think the team at the end of the season would be the team that we have now and i said yeah no kidding that's what it no, never is. no team yeah exactly <laughs> no team finishes the year with the team they start with um so you know Frank clark's in ontario sean Dursey's day to day we now have jacob Muviarare called up so now we have three lefties three righties um but the defense. I mean, obviously, do they make a trade? That's all. And if they make a trade, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. Other than that, I don't see any big changes. I mean, maybe Spence comes up, but 
that's not a huge change from last year um, because of all the injuries. So the only to me the only real change would be if they make, make a trade, and you know I guess that remains to be seen. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that at the end of the year, our defense is going to be at least 50% different than what it is now. 50% is a lot yeah. of percent. Yeah, I know. I mean, nobody listens to you if you say 10%. No, fair. <laughs> fair. I'm saying 50%. I'm going out there. Uh, no, I like it. Due to injury or due to trade? I think that our, due to acknowledgement that that there needs to be changes. Like Gabby, you and I were talking about this last night. Like, like you, you, there's a lot of very talented players currently on defense, right? But they're, they're all sort of the same mold, you know, they're all sort of, they're not that big, they're mobile, whatever, but any time, and it's not the physical game it used to be, right? Uh, You could never get away with this back in in the day, right? The defense is not, it's undersized. And it's still, you know, even though it isn't as physical a game, there's still times when you match up against a bigger, tougher team and uh, you get exposed. You, I, I think you need to have a component of that, even even though it's a modern game. And it sort of reminds me a little bit of, you know, how when the Europeans first came and got integrated uh, into the NHL, like the games were so different, the European game, the NHL game. and And it's now like, I think the NHL is more like the old European game, right? And you know, yeah, but size like Seattle was clearly bigger. Yeah, and I thought I thought Calgary was too. Both of those and games, Calgary, I yeah, felt like it was clear it, right? how much bigger they were. Yeah. And also, so I think you need that. Like, I really no, do. I don't do. think you need I to do. have. I don't think you need to have it be a predominant thing, but I think it needs to be re- represented. Uh, yeah. And and, uh, and and where are those guys? I don't know. But uh, I think that you're going to have one of them from somewhere that you don't have now by the end of the um, year. Who was it, Jesse, that told you, scouting guy who said, if you're looking at two players and they're exactly the same, you'll pick the bigger guy? Uh, that is a good question. I want to say it was Yanetti, but I don't. No, yeah. for sure. But yes, that is absolutely something that was. That yeah, we and that's but that's all. Proof. That's almost like a cliche in in sports, right? Yes, it, but, it, uh, we don't... it used to be, but now it's it's sort of flipped so much so that it almost yeah. seems like a novel thing now, right? Which is why, yeah. I stood and yet out. it's at some, and yet that's sort of what we lack. And I, if if I if so, if Jeff is correct, which Bosch knows he could be, um, although you'd hate to admit it. I do, I do. So, but what I've said to Jesse before, here's the thing, right? If you look at our lineup, we have three players that were in the Toronto Maple Leaf farm system, right? They mm-hmm. they were they were in their farm system, and we traded away Buzzin and Campbell and, and Clifford. maybe Clifford. Yeah, well, it wasn't one trade, I think, but, Two, but ultimately yeah. we have Runstrom, Dursey, and more. And I think we have such a good farm system, right? We have such a good prospect that I, I'm wondering if we will do what the reverse of what we did with the Maples, which is we will give up some of our prospects and try and get some other team's muzzin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's to me would be a, like the change I, I think would be a way to see if that happens, I guess. 
Well, I, we're going to move on to the next one because trades is a future. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the next one and this one. Uh, oh, you know, uh, the next one is how will the goaltenders split their time in net? And I'm going to open this one up for more nuanced conversation about the goaltending other than how they split their time in net because Todd McClellan was asked in the post-game media availability last night. We're recording this Wednesday morning. Kings lost to the New York Rangers on Tuesday, and Todd McClellan was asked a number of pointed questions. I was actually pleasantly surprised at the metal of the uh, media contingency. He was asked, you know, is goaltending a concern right now? He said yes. He was asked if they are losing confidence in Cal Peterson. He said no. And to Todd's credit, I thought he said the correct thing, which is even specifically we'll limit it to the Rangers game for now. Yeah, that fourth goal can't happen, right? That was a bad goal. I don't think anybody's going to waste any time defending that goal. And yet Cal Peterson did make three or four really good saves that had he not made that fourth goal is you know, immaterial. So it's like, yeah, that one, it's sort of like a bad call that a ref misses in the last moment of a game. If it's an obvious bad call, you go, yes, that was a mistake. And yet the team should not have been in the position for that mistake to cost them a game. So you hear that all the time, right? When, when something sort of a pivotal happens. Yeah. Right. And and they'll say, yeah, but we never should have been in that position. Right. And there's a flaw. There's a logical flaw <clears throat> in, yes. in doing that, it, you know, you know, because let's analyze it for what it was. Right. It was a terrible and, goal. And 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 to Peterson's credit, like, look at the guy like he is. He's always been successful. He's a, a very athletic. Um, you know, he used to be extremely precise with regard to his angles and all that kind of stuff. So like he's got the toolbox, it's full, right? Um and as you said Jesse, like last night he made some incredible saves, right? And this is what's so frustrating is uh, you know once again we're back to the consistency thing. It's like yeah. like you you it sets such a tone uh when you do something like this. Like I was saying to last night it's like i'm just a fan i have no i have no stake in the game right short of getting frustrated or whatever but i can't imagine what it would be like as a teammate you know what it does to your morale and and your own confidence when that kind of thing happens so i think you do have to you have to tell like it is in terms of these specific things um and and their effect so it all moves out from the goal from the net. And if you've got inconsistency in the net, you're going to have inconsistency on the team. It just sets a tone. Right. And uh so what was the question? It was like, how is it going to be divided? Yeah. I think initially it was going to be like if if you were to answer, yeah, like what, like uh 55, 25, Peterson quick, that would have made sense, right? And now it's like it seems to be a coin toss. I didn't look up the stats today, but I bet it's real close to 50-50, right? Um, and nobody ever intended that. So no. I thought you were going to say 55-25%, and then I was going to be... <laughs> I had the same, but, I had the same thought. <laughs> I was like, you're a doctor. Um, <laughs> the thing is, um, you're right. The only 
thing I think too is that I think Quick hasn't been all that consistent. And I think when you look at their numbers, I'm not sure Peterson's numbers aren't better. Well, I can tell you right now, uh, Jonathan Quick has played 14 games. Cal Peterson should started. Where he's played 14 games to nine for Peterson. Quick's save percentage Uh-oh. 892. Peterson's 876. Um, and both of them with a goals above three. Right. So you so broke up there. What was that? How many games have each played? Sorry. Sorry. 14 for Quick, uh, nine for Peterson, and uh, right. eight, 892 save percentage for Quick, 876 for Peterson. Yeah, so neither is great, and like they're, 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 I mean, their numbers aren't all that different, and and they're not all that great. Yeah, so it's hard to know how to divide I, up. I mean, the, I I appreciate the attempt at a soft touch, but they're both bad. It's not that they're not. Yeah, right. they're both bad. Um, yeah. So so then the question is, how do you how do you split them? And then so Jeff's right. Like you, you might as well be 50-50. Really, what we're waiting for is one of them like last year, mm-hmm. to uh, get hot. And I think that will determine the split. It's funny. I was I have this little grandson, Charlie, who's seven years old, and he's really excited about hockey. And uh, I was trying to try to teach him the game. So I mentioned to him, you know, the problem that exists. And I, you know, with him, I was very specific. And so... Uh, so he, he calls me Jeffy. Okay. So he said, Well, Jeffy, can't they carry three goalies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, would... technically they can. <laughs> well, that's what I, I asked you, Jeff. Can they? Is they it, can. Can you actually dress? Oh, you can't dress matter? three, but you can have three on the roster. No, but you can't. That's you can't dress yeah. three. No, but they could recall Phoenix Copley if they wanted. And, you know. Right, right. But I was, I think it would, like, I was thinking, well, could they dress three goalies? You know, no, no, you can't. No, <laughs> it's sort of like backup quarterbacks, right? If the first quarterback yeah. isn't playing well, you throw in the second one. If he isn't throwing the third one, so Jeff, the reason that I um let you say some of those things that I otherwise wouldn't have <laughs> wouldn't have let you uh, is is that last night Todd McClellan said, you know, that allowing that fourth goal when it was allowed took the air out of the team. Mm-hmm. Right. He acknowledged. I mean, everybody it's right. Clear as the nose on yes. all of our faces. Right. Mm-hmm. That sort of goal in that moment. Um, and it was completely I mean, right. There's that long stretch. There's that sequence where you thought a goal was coming. You know, Peterson's out of the net. Edler's in the net. Peterson makes an incredible diving, you know, save to get back in the mouth. Fiala steals the puck. The puck goes down the other way. You know, this is just this incredible sequence that ends with a King's goal. You know, I was on my feet in the press box. We were all, you know, trying very hard to remain professional, you know, incredible, (laughs) exciting (laughs) moment. And then before I'd even returned to my seat, it's four to three. Um, Yeah. And the air was. Yeah. Speaking of that transition, it's like when I watched that, I see. Maybe we will look back on this sequence. I had the same. I had okay, the exact same thought. They, okay, like this was when we really yep. went to that next level. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. where Peterson overwhelms everybody with this athleticism and incredible competitive spirit, and then we go down and score, and like, and then we win, and it's like, you know, no, nothing's ever going to stop us again this year. And then that happened. It's like you, you know, you know, Faust uses the dagger thing. Well, that was the dagger. I mean, I hope it wasn't this, uh, the, you know, samurai sword. 
so I uh, try not to uh, just read my own tweets on the show as much as I used to, but <laughs> but this is the sequence of events. Uh, and this was uh, last night at 9.39 p.m. That Fiala steal in the defensive zone is the play of the season as far as I'm concerned. Holy smokes, eat it, New York. Um, and then... And then uh, and then at uh, 9.40 p.m., oh, come on. <laughs> oh, come on. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, because that's it. That's all I could, you know, it's, oh, yeah. come on. Come the, on. I mean, the, the horrible thing is that it wasn't just a bad goal Peter Susan was stopping. It's just the whole thing should have never happened. Yes, but was and that was sort of what Todd McClellan was saying yeah. was, you know, yes, the goaltending needs to be better. No, that goal can't yeah. be allowed. However, the, the consistent. Yeah. How did that guy, uh, why? Yeah. The oldest trick in the book. Yeah. And uh look, and that guy's good who scored the goal. Now it was a good shot. You know, so it wasn't like but one of the more one of the more frustrating parts, and certainly nobody should cry for me in my current role, but one of the more frustrating parts of my role is that I do feel it's part of my job to listen to all the other Kings podcasts and read all the message boards and sort of keep abreast of the fan conversations going on, even though it's not in my job description. Uh, and so I'm reading all of the comments and I'm listening to all of the people talk and scream. And there are people who say like the solution is new goaltending or one new defenseman. And I'm not sure that that would make a difference. You know, I'm not sure that Dominic Hasek would be the difference between this team being in second place and the team that oh, we all hope. <laughs> it'd go a little it would go a little way but i just but but anyway we're gonna move well, here's on. a here's yeah. a, a a contrarian thought no boy yeah because jeff's not the only one yeah. um, <laughs> and and i know that they meant to do this mm. but then they keep not doing it and maybe the answer is to actually let peterson play 10 15 games in a row that is what i believe yeah that because what it, it is true, like he played this incredible game, they play him again, and then he has a bad game. So that's going to hurt his confidence. But maybe and that's what it comes up. down to. That I guess yeah. that's what I was getting to when I initially was talking about his toolbox and everything. Yeah. The one thing he doesn't have is the confidence. You can just see it in his eyes. Yeah. And maybe you're right. I mean, yeah, you've got a Hall of Fame goalie sitting beside you, practicing with you, whatever. It's ext- I would imagine it's extremely challenging to get out from under that shadow. And, yeah, I think so. And, and for all the world, your coach can say how much confidence they have in you, but when you're flipping it off every game, uh, that speaks a different t- uh, uh, yeah. message. Uh, and so, yeah, you're, if, if, if the answer to this is confidence, the only way you're going to get it is to be put in there over and over and over because yeah. that says, yeah, we believe in you. Yeah, last season, Jeff. It's funny that you should mention that. Last season at the three quarter poll, more or less, there was a number of times where we heard from not just Todd McClellan, but I think even from Trent Yanni. And they were talking about the younger players being moved into the lineup, and they were saying, "Make mistakes. Don't play scared to make a mistake. Make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Learn from it. We need to see how you react to mistakes, etc." Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, it's and and certainly with the way they've handled the contracts for Cal Peterson, we've known that he was the intended heir to Jonathan Quick for I don't know, five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
and yet yeah you're right it, it it feels like sometimes they haven't necessarily followed up on no and, and i think just right it's tough when you have a someone as good as quick and i you know i think a lot of i mean, that's the more just a lot of teams i think go through this thing when their their star goalie starts to age out right like Lodur and the wongo and a few other teams right it's just it's a really tough transition apparently yeah yeah, I mean, aren't we aren't we all guilty of it? I know I am, yeah. because because whenever Peterson has uh, struggles, I'm thinking, well, just put Quick back in, right? Right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> now, if it yeah. was clearly a backup goalie behind Peterson, you wouldn't think that. No, you just keep playing them, and, yeah. and he'll have some good games and bad games, but maybe over the course of time, he he gets to be Peterson. Yeah. There you go. Are. There you go, guys. I think we've solved yeah. the problem. There we yeah. have. Yeah. <laughs> so right. moving moving on to a, a problem yeah. that is a little bit trickier to solve. Uh, will the special teams play improve? Um, <clears throat> Dad knows that this is my personal bugaboo. Um, yes. No, they haven't. But you didn't say they have or haven't. It's building. Yeah, but I'm saying oh, that no. was from the I'm saying no, they have not. Oh, I see. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Um, the second unit is uh, fun to watch from time to time. They don't get a ton of ice time. I I will actually say I think the power play actually has improved a little bit. So I mean I'm being flippant, obviously. Yeah. The, the power but play. I mean I I no, I mean obviously you're probably correct, but there has been last year it was so stationary, mm-hmm. and now they have at least some time. They don't, it's not again consistency, but there are times when they really do move it around a lot. Don't always yeah. score, but that's no. And listen, the goal they scored against New York—that pass from Fiala to Villardi yeah. was incredible. And Beautiful. and the second unit, the puck with Jersey on it, yeah. the puck moves so, around. They've they've altered the positioning of the top unit. At least you know they do tend to move around a lot more. The puck does move around, yeah. and I'm pre- I'm prepared to accept the party line. I mean, bit. I don't have a choice. I'm part of the party, but I'm prepared <laughs> to accept the party line that, you know, that with new personnel and new coaching, it will take time for special teams. And yeah. they, you only get to play a few minutes of it per game. That's so the thing. Yeah. I get it. So I, I do time. think it's improved. As for the penalty kill, eh, I'm not so sure about that. It's, it's troublesome. Yeah. Well, looking backwards into the last question, it becomes somewhat of a chicken and an egg thing, right? Like if your goalie isn't bailing you out on the yes. penalty kill, or if your defense isn't protecting your goalie on the penalty kill. If I also think that, and I don't even, you know, I have seen more, well, no, well, we see the same number of games, I'm sure, in person. Um, I think size is more important on the penalty kill, and that's where we lack mm. size, mm. right? Because you're fighting for, you need to fight for pucks and you're down a person. Now they do block shots and everything, but I don't know. Well, where do they rank? There comes you know? that consistency word, though. They block shots. Yeah. Up, you know that Edmonton game, right? They're blocking yes. every shot. You know that again, twenty nine. What's, what's the stat? Where, where do they rank? Okay, let me look that up real quick. But while I'm looking that up, I will say Drew Doughty was asked about the penalty kill on Monday. I want to say, and you know he gave an answer similar to what we were just talking about, about Cal Peterson, where he said a lot of it has to do with confidence. Right. And he said, when you're, when you're gripping your stick on the penalty kill and you don't want to be the team or the, or the player specifically that makes the mistake that leads to the goal, you know, he said that means you're going to be the one. Um, Right. 
Mm-hmm. And right. so there's for sure. <laughs> right. Uh so the LA Kings blocked shots are tenth in the league at fifteen point four six per sixty minutes. Uh and the actual number of blocks, they're third with three hundred and forty four in twenty two games. Okay, what's their penalty kill ranking though? Bad. Slow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. but, they have, I, I can't, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you were going to give the number, right? Of the... uh, yeah, so they're currently at 74.3% on the penalty kill. That's which bad. Is, yes, it is. 27th in the league. Although, it's funny, power play ranking I'm never interested in as far as where they fit in the rest of the league because you don't have any control over that. Your number is what your number is. Well, 74 is bad. No, that is bad. That's I'm just bad. saying they could be 27th. They could be 21st. It doesn't make it any less bad. You're right. Or, you know. right. You're right. You're right. So. Well, well, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think back in that Edmonton game. How many did they have a lot of penalties in that game? I, uh, I, I will tell you in just a moment, but let's just say they did. They had a lot. <laughs> Because I, I think they may, and then I, I in the last couple of games I don't remember a lot of penalties. They've seemed to be staying out of the box. There were, yeah, there were. Better. Yes, they have done a much better job. I think in the that New York game, the only penalty was the one the Kings scored the power play goal on, right? I'm pretty I think sure. So. Yeah, and I think the Seattle game was low in penalties as well. Uh-huh. So you know, I think that'll come around. I, you know, I the 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 power play last year there was no hope. <laughs> Yeah, right. right. It was just this year. There's hope because you've got people that are really potent, you know. And I think they'll figure it out. I think they'll fit yeah. once again. I invoke the whole this the, just a quarter of the season we played, and I think that uh, there's hope now, and there wasn't hope, and you know the, uh, that's progress. And I have a hunch in a couple months, uh, if when this is looked at again or whatever, give it a little bit of time. Uh, it's going to continue to improve because because there are potent weapons. Kaliev, you know, Velarde, Fiala, all these guys are very effective if they're used properly in that thing. And, and I think they're going to figure out how to use them properly. Uh, I think you're right. And the next couple of questions, I think, are going to give us an opportunity to veer into the overwhelmingly positive. Uh, the next question is, will any offensive sorry will the offensive contributions from any players regress and what we were really getting at when we asked that question was the second line right because Deneau and Moore had Mm -hmm. far far more productive seasons than I think anybody expected oh so this is a yeah this question was posed at the beginning of the year so Mm -hmm. for sure you're right it's like can these guys keep it up and and Kempe too and Kempe too yeah and yeah well I think so far it looks like they can Kempe's one of these streaky guys, right? But at the end of the day, I think he's going to have his numbers like last year. Um, and he was into it last night. I thought he was really aggressive and he was emotional. And, uh, you know, I don't see him. He's had a dry spell, but he got an assist last night. I don't see him getting re- regressing really bad. But as for that other line, I mean, it's just a great line. It's it's yeah. a it's a timeless line. This is the kind of line that the Habs had back in the fifties and stuff. Like this this is a great line, and yeah. uh, and uh, you I'll know have we're to take your guys' forward. word for it. I wasn't there. Yeah, well, <laughs> you should have been. You should um, have anyway, been. I, you know the thing. The word regress. So yeah, they might 
I don't think they'll regress, but will he score 35? No, but he, let's say he scores 31. Will you say he's regressed? I mean, I would. No. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 so that's the trouble. I don't think they're going to regress, but they, their numbers may not be quite as good. No, I mean, so the question was partially, right, Kevin Fiala had, what, 85 points last year. He's at 21 in 22 games, so I'd say he's yeah. and he's leading along. Team. Yeah, just fine. Trevor Moore, right, exploded into a top six player. He's now at 16 points in 22 games. I would say no there. Um, Ajay Kopitar had a strong season. Again, he's at 16 of 22. Doesn't look like he'll lead the team in scoring this season, but that's fine. That's I know as good. Jim Fox said. Right, exactly. When you acquire Kevin Fiala, he needs to lead yeah. the team in scoring. Well, and Kempe, those, yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't but Dino, Arvidsson, you know, Kempe, yeah. like, Dowdy might regress off of his pace from last year because he was on yeah. an incredible pace, but he's currently on, he's at 11 points in 22 games. Like, that's perfectly. Yeah. Fine. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah. the answer to that, at least yeah. for now, seems to be no. The next yeah. question was, will any players significantly increase their offensive output? And Velarde and Kaliev, we already talked about them, but, right? Oh, yeah, Velarde, for there. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Kaliev um, as well. You know, Jeff rattled yeah. off the numbers, right? He's I don't scoring. know if anybody else will, but... Um, well, there's only so many... Actually- uh, yeah, well, there's another one. Yeah. yeah, didn't didn't Todd say he's on pace for 20 goals or something? Who's that? Who's that? Yeah, well, he's yeah. We were talking about that last night. I mean, at, yeah, 15 to 20. Well, yeah. Like, what do you what do you want out of your fourth center? Yeah, yeah, no, no, that part's good. This is the thing that Zach Dooley and I laugh about all the time. Is you know we'll be perusing the comment section of uh, LAK insider or, you know, looking at Twitter or whatever. And occasionally there'll be somebody out there who's decided that the solution to the team's problems is upgrading Blake Lazat to whatever. And we just sort of shake our heads and laugh and go like that. Yeah. Blake Lazat is the least of this team's problems. <laughs> um, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. This team's problems are inconsistent goaltending. Yeah. And so now, the second to the uh, last question well, to, is to Lazat's yeah. to to his support. I mean, it's no fun being real small. Uh, let me tell you that. Okay. So I haven't, uh, I haven't grown in like seventy years. Okay, it's well, no. I, I think like the, I I'm feel like two thousand twenty three is your year, Jeff. <laughs> I've actually shrunk a couple of inches. There you go. Yeah. So he, te- you know, he has the perfect attitude for someone who's like that he's has a chip in his shoulder uh which makes him a little taller and uh you know he he uses that as fuel Mm -hmm. right and if everybody had his attitude uh a lot of these questions wouldn't be uh being posed right now so yeah Um, Yeah. so this next question is just an opportunity to gush the question is will kevin fiala be the player the Kings hoped he will be. I'd argue he has been. I I think he will be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't see how not he's no. Yeah. He's, he's just too good. And he's set to me, he's settled in. Like I, I, you know, there were some tentative moments at the beginning, I think that are only natural, but he looks so comfortable right now. And he's, uh, just such a dangerous, so much fun to watch, right? I mean, he's so creative and both as a playmaker and as a, a shooter. Uh, plus, he does all the little things and and uh, he seems to be 
just oozing confidence, right? So yeah. Uh, my my um, only thing about Fiala is that I've always assumed that Kevin Fiala is American or Canadian. And so when they interview him, <laughs> yeah, I was Swiss. like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, Kevin is a, yeah, a very British or American name. Yeah. No, he's, he's Swiss. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, and he speaks so five, he has an accent, four or five he... languages, depending yeah. on who, who he listens to. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that always throws me, but other than that, uh, yeah. The best yeah. part to me is when Todd McClellan talks about him, right? Because almost all the other players have some sort of nickname or something. Right. And then he'll just call him Kevin, <laughs> which doesn't <laughs> right? doesn't sound like either a hockey player, much less a Swiss hockey player. No, I know. I know. <laughs> and Kevy is weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, they always make up these names. They're usually pretty. They add a Z to it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Whatever. it doesn't work. So yeah. you have yeah. to call them the Swiss. Yeah. Something. Now it's yeah. like, and and so there are very few exceptions, right? It's usually just yeah. uh, some silly little ending. but uh, And then Kempe's Juice. Yeah. Right. All right. But Fial has nothing. I don't know what you do with that name. You call no. him Kevin. But you it'll be, you know, he'll Kevin. be so we'll be talking to him Kevin. in a meet availability and he'll be saying, you know, Lizzo, Grunny, yeah. you know, right. a, you know, Quickie, Kopi, Juice, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> just, wow, oh, okay. Kevin. Right. Uh, I'll ask you guys this though, because I've, you know, we've had an incredible amount of turnover on the team, and so there aren't a ton of people in the press box. Uh, who were you know there back in the day? So, Dad, uh, sorry, <clears throat> Dad, um, yeah. who, which king of years gone by does Fiala most remind you of? So I'm not sure we've ever had a Kevin Fiala. I mean, I'd say a guy like Palfy, but Palfy wasn't as big, I don't think. Uh, well, it's funny. I mean, that's the name that came into my mind. Mine as well, but but it doesn't feel like a one for one comparison. No. Well, it's not quite the same. But Paulie had that kind of skill. I mean, I suppose Carter maybe or or Gab like Gabrick in his day. Sure. I'm not sure when he was with the Kings. Um, but there was a sequence last night in the offensive zone where Fiala and Kopitar were passing the puck between each other. Through yeah. and around mm-hmm. two or three defenders, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've I certainly never seen Ajay Kopitar play like that with a teammate. You know, they would, oh, yeah. he would certainly is capable of incredible passes, but usually they were longer passes through you know uncontested areas. Um, uh, I do think I said this to you before, Jess. I think Fiala is one of the best passers we've had in years. Yeah, like he's, he makes some extraordinary passes. Mm-hmm. Um, that end up right on people's sticks. Yeah, that's great. Ac- great acquisition. Just a great yeah. acquisition. Yeah. yeah. Now so the, we all the, we, we all only, like Kevin Fiala. That's the we like Kevin Fiala. And I, like I said before, the only issue not an issue. I just think, like Jeff said, we're gonna we have to see all these new kids. But they brought in Fiala, you know, all these other people, and so it makes it difficult to see all the prospects as much as. I guess that's just life. <laughs> and uh, that brings us to our final question, which we touched on earlier, and I sort of forced us to stop talking about, which is, will the organization seek to upgrade the roster by acquiring any more players from outside the organization? Oh, 
<laughs> it's it's a tough one because the part that gets left out in all the conversations that I see or hear or read is that this team is financially not as flexible as it is from an opportunity, you know, from a from a desire and opportunity right. standpoint, right? So even last night, somebody contacted me and said, well, what do you think about, you know, Elliot Friedman saying that Patrick Kane is, you know, a fit for the Kings? And I said, okay, before I even get into thinking about what Patrick Kane would look like on this team or where he might play, Patrick Kane makes an enormous amount of money. And, yeah, uh, and you need to get rid of that amount of money from your roster before right. you bring Patrick Kane onto the roster. And I'm not entirely sure Chicago is interested in replacing Patrick Kane's money. Um, that's just so a I, silly, listen, that's just a silly idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure, I, it is. But the point is, the money has to be accounted for yeah, in any way. Sure. Well, well, but I don't think anybody that, th- oh, go ahead. I was going to say that. Yeah. What I would say is what you, what I see on the board, like that is silly. I realize money. Usually people will say, well, why don't we trade, um, you know, uh, Tynan, uh, Fogelbaugh, right, and Copley for Ovechkin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what people, you know, that's the kind of thing I would say. Okay. You know, there's always another team and uh, they have to want the players that we want to send them as well as they're willing to give up. So I do think they will. I think there will be a trade. But then I've said that for four years. But I do think there will be a really big trade because we have too many people. Yes. Players, good players. And and I started saying it last season in the preseason. When we were having these conversations last year during the preseason, I said, and I chastised myself because of all the injuries, but I said last preseason they have too many guys. And I said, I expect a trade by November 1st. Then November 1st rolled around and there hadn't been one. And I said, oh, okay, well, December 1st. And then December 1st rolled around and there hadn't been one. And I said, okay, well, the All-Star break. And then the All-Star, you know, once the All-Star break, you know, then yeah. COVID hit, injuries hit. And all of a sudden they didn't have too many guys. They had just enough yeah. to get into the playoffs and, and lose in game well, seven. The, the issue is there has to be a team that has a player that they want either want to move or willing. And that's why I brought up the Toronto thing, right? All, those three guys on our team that were in the Toronto system were really good. Mm-hmm. But there was no room for them on the Maple Leafs, right? Because they're right. stacked. Well, hey, hey, th- listen, as a Maple Leaf despiser my whole yeah, life, me too. Like, uh, they, they should have made room for them. That was their <laughs> own stupidity, sure. especially Moore, okay? Yeah. Especially yeah. Moore of all the three Moore's just a magnificent player, and how we got him is just uh, so fortunate. Because they, because they wanted a defenseman. That, that's what I'm saying. Well, but they, they also they wanted the goalie. The more, goalie, more, yeah. more was the Campbell trade. Oh, uh, anyway, I just don't think they. Yeah. But I don't think they really um, embraced what he represented, and uh, that's missing something very key in terms of what you need on a good hockey team. Whatever, I. Uh, in terms of this, yeah, I think those arguments about getting or or those ideas about getting a cane or whatnot, we don't need any more forwards. Like our 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 four lines are going to uh, be uh, constructed from what we have. Um, but I'll, I'll throw out two names yeah. of defensemen that have come up, Jeff. 
Um, obviously, Jacob Chikrin is the one that everybody's been talking about. I like I the day that Jacob like Chikrin gets traded to anybody other than if he gets traded to the Kings, I'll be just as happy. But if he gets traded to some other team that isn't the Kings, I'll be happy just to have the conversation over with. Yeah. And um, I have no idea if he's any good. Uh, I don't either. He hasn't played. I think he played his first game of the year yeah. recently. But the other name mm-hmm. is Ben Sherratt. And the place that that name has come up is that Jim Fox was recently asked by a fan on one of the programs we did, what type of defenseman Jim mm-hmm. Fox thinks that they need to acquire, should acquire if they do acquire one. And and Jim was not saying that they should specifically target Ben Sherratt, but a Ben Sherratt type. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the problem is those types are harder to find these days because of the right. changes to the game that Jeff mentioned. And yeah. also because of parity, fewer teams are calling it a season this early into the year. So you need to be able to find a team who has that type of valuable player who also has a hole that the Kings are able to fill with their excess players who are in a spot in the season where they're either desperate to make their own change or have given up on their own season. It's hard. It's complicated. My answer to the, my answer to this is that there will be a trade and it will be for a defenseman. I, re- I was listening to Sirius XM, the NHL network, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, and Daryl was on as a guest. And I was really surprised by how forthright he was about this. Like, he in no uncertain terms, he said, yeah, there were, the Kings are going to have, make a deal for a defenseman. Daryl like, Evans? He wasn't, he wasn't beating around the bush. Right. This when is you, the, when you say Daryl, you're talking about Daryl Evans. Daryl Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and I and I you know I listen. That's the need, right? And yeah. Ben Sherratt, like he's big. He like he he fills all the. He's a little older, right? I think he's. Uh, I couldn't tell you know Chikrin is like I think is 23. Sherratt's probably around 30. I'm thinking, but you know he fills that role, and I think your whole theory is right is it going to be that that's how these things happen now right it's okay i want a first round pick i want your top prospect and i want someone who's currently on the roster right, right. that's that's usually the holy triad for these you know trying to yeah. get your big piece right and the kings have all those things they can they can yeah, give exactly. you yeah they and so them. i think it's going to be a chicken or a charot i think yeah Detroit, right? They may it may not come right away, but but at a certain point, uh, the whole idea of you know Detroit's rebuilding, they're looking like they're doing it successfully. Don't you think they love to have a Fagamo or a, you know start naming names, right? So there's this phenomenon that drives me nuts, where people make fun of other people for yelling "shoot." When the team's on the power play, <laughs> yes, and I, there. I happen to be one of those people. I love yelling "shoot" when the team's on the power play, and my argument is that it's a human reaction, right? I'm not telling the player to shoot in that moment, right? I understand the lane is blocked; he doesn't have an opportunity, right. or whatever. But the point is, like, it feels like they should have had a shot on goal by now, yes. and I'm frustrated at the anticipation. And so I'm saying, for God's sakes, just shoot the puck. I don't care if it doesn't work out; you need to shoot the puck. I feel like that's where the team is right now with roster moves, right? We all understand rationally right, right now. There might not be a trade available. We all understand that for the past yeah. year, injuries, et cetera, whatever. 
but we've all known now for 15, 16, 17 months that the team is imperfect, that there are, are an abundance of players at certain positions and, you know, whatever the opposite of an abundance is at other positions, right? Like we all know that left D is shallow and right D is incredibly deep. They yes. filled out the forward lines. And so I think well, that the fan base screaming for trade, you know, change something, well, I, trade yeah. something. Like- and I think the fan base is because the last two years, they've absolutely done that with the forwards. Yes. Like they brought in mm-hmm. Arvidsson, Deneau, Fiala, Fiala yeah. uh, and then traded for Brunstrom and more. So they, but I mean, if you, if you take Lombardi, build from the net out, okay, they're going backwards. So now <laughs> right. they've, They've done the forwards, and and I think Jeff's right. The forwards, the forwards are fine. We have we have four good lines now with Byfield and I follow out. We have Bankable, Romiak. I don't know who they drafted last year. I hear those guys are doing well in juniors. Laferri. Oh, it sounds like La Laferri, but yeah, Laferri area and Harvey. Yeah, Laferri yeah, to a good start. Yeah, yeah. It's very confusing when he plays. Yeah, but so yeah, the there's Penelli. Yeah, there's all yes, sorts of Pinelli. Yeah, so the forwards are fine and. I don't think there's any goalies to be traded for. No, we've already solved the we've already solved the goalie. Oh, the goalie. <laughs> right. So it's defense, and I really like Spence. I think he's great, and he's going to be, I think, and Clark. But they're they are both small. Well, so Jim Fox you know, recently said, "Sorry to cut you off, <clears throat> Dad." Um, okay. Jim Fox recently said that he felt that it was maybe time for the organization to stop talking so much about needing to find an identity. And I haven't verified this with him. This is the second time now I'm speaking on behalf of Jim Fox, which I know he doesn't like. So apologies, Jim. But (laughs) I interpreted when he said that the way I heard it was we're at 22 games now. Basically the identity should be known. Right. And so it's concerning as a fan to hear the people that you look to, to calm you down and to let you know that, you know, there's a stable hand on the wheel Um, for them to be saying like, yeah, we're not sure. You know, Todd McClellan was asked before the game against New York, which team's going to show up the two to one team or the six to five team. Right. And then he even said after the game, well, we don't know. Um, And so when it comes to those defensive questions, when it comes to the inconsistency that we've talked about across the board, that I think makes fans uncomfortable, regardless of of how good the team ought to be, whatever the expectations are. And uh, this wasn't on the ten questions, but it's something that I have heard Jim say privately before, but he finally said it publicly, so I can now react. I can now introduce it into the conversation, and I'll tack it on here as a bonus question for you guys. All right, uh, Jim said recently on on a live thing we did with the fans that he believes that what might be happening is that Todd McClellan might be taking an approach that Phil Jackson is famous for, where he is not necessarily um, strict with his instructions, right? He let the players, you know, Phil Jackson would call a timeout late in the game and not tell the players what he wanted them to do. Because his attitude was, we've coached them, we've taught them, we've spoken to them. In this moment, they don't need me screaming at them, telling them what to do. They should know what to do. So I'm going to call a timeout and let them sort it out themselves. So Jim was proposing that perhaps Todd is using a, a loose hand on the team early in the season in the hopes that they will figure it out for themselves. And if they do, if the team decides on its own to be that two to one shot blocking defensive 
defensively responsible, consistent team that it'll mean more. It'll sink in. It'll, you know, be baked more thoroughly into the identity of the team. I'm expanding a bit on what Jim said, but that's what I heard when he said it. Um, yeah. Well, I had a, well, so here, here, the good thing, the good thing is, good thing is that, okay, that's an actual strategy. It means that he's strategizing, mm-hmm. right? So if it works, I'm all for it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, yes. My strategy, okay. <laughs> my strategy worked, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I would say the big difference is that Bill Jackson uh, had Michael Jordan. And um, first of all, there's only five people. And one of yeah. them was Michael Jordan. So, well, um, or Kobe Bryant. Or, or Kobe. Yeah. yeah. So he probably didn't really have to say much, right? Those yeah, guys sure. were extraordinary. But now we're talking about hockey, which is way different. Mm-hmm. game and and young players and young players so i was going to say it's kind of like well but i don't remember if i told you what to do jesse or not but it's, you know <laughs> i don't think i let you just you know <laughs> make your own decision about going to school um do you want to go to school i don't know you let me make so my I own mean, decision about hebrew school <laughs> Yeah, no, well, okay, that's true, I did. Yeah, and um, I chose. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, good for me. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but you know, at some level, um, you know, I get it just right. If it works, that's great. But I don't see it really working. <laughs> because uh, hockey's such a fun game that if I was on the team and the coach didn't tell me I had to play defense, I think I'd be tempted to try and score. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. Well, it's like uh, it's like the, the ultimate player's coach, right? It'd be someone who's like you know a product of that whole permissive parenting thing, yeah. you know, where uh, you know yeah. you you let the kids make the decisions. You know, that was the whole 60s parenting. And now look at the generation, the hippie All right, all right, all right calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, why, Jeff, I, why those kids? <laughs> Jeff, I, I've definitely told uh, my dad about this Simpsons joke, but I don't know that I've ever run it by you. But it is one of my favorites, and it comes up from time to time. There's an episode where uh, the annoying neighbor, Ned Flanders, who's a, you know, a, um evangelical Christian to a comedic uh, degree, there's a flashback to when he was a child and his parents were beatniks and he was an out of control child and they're at a child psychologist and uh, the parents, you know, one of them was wearing a beret and a turtleneck, you know, they're the caricature of 50s beatniks and the mom says, you know, yeah, doc, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Um, and so I think, <laughs> I think that, I think that is sort of the, the, uh, the paranoid fear of a lot of Kings fans when they see these inconsistencies and they see these things that they're, easily identified as being a problem and then they don't change uh, or they change and then they, you know, rear their ugly heads. And it feels, I think the fear is that the team has tried nothing and is all out of ideas. So I can I tell you, say, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> so I would just I say has so. any team, has any team ever won the Stanley cup with that approach? It's usually know. the players hate the coach, right? Like <laughs> until they win the cup. Yeah. Like, do you think Daryl Sutter ever did that? Yeah. No, 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 I don't. I mean, that's the phrase, right? Hate him 364 days out of the year. And then on 365, you pick up your ring. Right. Right. So I don't know about that. That, that, that's interesting though. Um, You know, I, I, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, 
sheer stupidity. I've never actually quite understood what identity in a hockey team even means. Well, so <laughs> sort of doubling back to what we talked about initially, that cra- the game against the Kraken, I don't know if this is identity, but in that first period, I saw a number of fans saying, this is insane. The Kings can't, quote unquote, identify or, or you know, can't solidify their identity. And here's a Seattle Kraken team that has existed for 100 games. And they clearly have an identity and are playing to it in that first period. Now, I don't know if that, I don't know if, quote unquote, being big and good at defense is an identity. <laughs> Well, that, okay, that that's all I'm saying. It's like yeah. mostly when someone says, "Okay, well, what's your identity?" and it's not just the Kings, every team. Like, well, we're we want to be hard to play against, right? Well, I think well, it's yeah. a stupid word. I think it's a stupid word. I agree with you, uh, and it's overused. And it's one of those things where when you use a word so much, you really forget about what it is you're trying to say, yeah. right? And and but you know, I think that there's a a difference between how the Kraken were constructed and how the Kings are constructed. The Kraken started at time zero and they could build something without anything existing prior to that. Right. It was a total existential kind of situation with the Kings, you know, it's like, okay, you have all these parts come in and now we're trying to, you know, integrate something else, whatever. So I think it's harder to build a unit when you're doing something on the fly like that, as opposed to starting with nothing. And then, you know, you just, you get all your building blocks, right? It, it's a simpler process, yeah, right? I'm not but sure ultimately, it's... ultimately, you've got you've to have a team that, you know, it comes down to fundamentals, I think, right? I don't think it's so much like we're going to be this kind of team or that kind of team. Like hockey is really very simple. It's a simple sport. I mean, you know, you... You 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 pass, you shoot, you check, right? You've got to do all the fundamentals, just like football. You know, people talk about bad football teams. Well, they invariably do things like they don't tackle, they don't block, they take too many penalties, right? Well, you don't have to say identity, right? right. These are right. simple games. Little little boys and little girls play these yeah. games. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're simple games, and you have to do the fundamentals, and that's. Yeah. When you look at the Kings, when they have a bad, you look at a six to five game. Well, it's not like the Kings are just going out there. They have the talent now where they can get six goals, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the problem is that they're making fundamental errors. Well, so this what is what we need to say identity. It's just well, they're so, making so fundamental errors. If, if I can, one of the other things that I'm fond of repeating myself about is uh, when it comes to effort. There was a player that the Kings acquired in 2018, and Dad, you and I continue to disagree about whether or not it was a good acquisition. Um, And I'm talking about Kovalchuk. And when people would defend him, they would always say to me, "He's he tries really hard. He's out there at practice every practice." And Jim would say, "You know, listen, I see, you know, I see him out there. He's doing things, and you know, he's trying, he's trying, he's trying. Work ethic, work ethic, work ethic." And I would say, "Sure." But he's trying real hard at something that the rest of the team isn't trying to do. And I think at some point, identity just means everybody trying to do the same thing. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. And and honestly, I'm not sure that it does matter. 
you well, just I have everybody that. just has to be facing the same direction and and pulling towards the same thing. Yeah. Well, I don't think we, I don't think we disagreed about ultimately what happened. To Check. I, I know said, what you said. I, I thought the rationale and reasoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. We're not. <laughs> we're not doing this again. As it turned out. Yeah, I was right. Uh, didn't work out. But. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, I mean, I'm going to wrap it up. I think we've been going for almost an hour and a half now, so I'm going to wrap this up. But uh, Jesse, can I just say one more thing? You uh, may. Now, listen, um, and Gabby and I referenced this. I don't know if you saw uh, the ceremony at, in Toronto last week where Boria Salming was honored. I did not. Um, and, you know, this sort of goes back to the time you and I were, your, your dad and I were in, in Toronto. Now, I've hated the Leafs my whole life. It's not that I'm a Leaf fan. Quite the contrary. They did have a very exciting team back in the 70s and uh, with some Hall of Famers, whatnot. But the be- the greatest of all was Borja Salming. Um, and he uh, came over from Sweden. He was with the first real imported European. He was with Inga Hammerstrom, who's the player, the Leafs really went over to Sweden to scout. And then they saw Salming and they brought him over too. Inga Hammerstrom was, you know, talented and all, but he was the prototypical European. Like uh, Harold Ballard said of him, you know, uh, when he Hammerstrom goes into the cor- if he had a dozen eggs going into the corner, he'd come out and they'd none of them would be broken. I thought you were going to say he'd have 13. <laughs> um, and uh but Salming was um, uh, you know, Hall of Fame player. He was uh, the most courageous, uh, talented, tough player. He wasn't a fighter, but that was during the era of the Broad Street Bullies. They used to brutalize him. And uh, it wasn't just uh, the Philly. It was the whole league tried to intimidate the Swedes because they felt they were soft and Salming was the antithesis of soft. He was like a stoical, tough player who sur- not only survived, but excelled in this environment. Um, he was the most elegant, graceful, um, effective offensive player, just a beautiful player to watch. And, and uh, his, this, he has ALS now. And it was tragic to see him at center ice being honored by the Leaf crowd uh, everybody was crying and he the the here was the bad part that he was such a stoic and an unemotional outwardly unemotional player who endured so much um brutality um and he was crying in an because this disease sort of has an effect of making you very emotionally labile and whatnot and it was just horrible to see him not himself emotionally like that and crying uncontrollably it was really ghastly to watch it was it was so sad so sad and i i just wanted to mention him because you know i know most of the people listening to this you know probably are unfamiliar with some of these players and what they represented but uh, you know, all of these great Europeans we talk about now, I don't think we can say that they would be here and so integral, sort of integral to our game and ha- in, having integrated so well had it not been for him. So, uh, Gloria Solomon. All right. So I just want to say it's Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to both of you, Jesse. Always thankful that I'm your father. 
And Jeff, I will say, uh, in case I know we'll both be busy, happy birthday. I won't even make fun um, on the podcast that you're so old, but, <laughs> but this is the best day of the year. Not because it's Thanksgiving, but because it's Jeff's birthday and it's my favorite day of the year. Because he's thank so you. Well, he has two months. You have two months of glory, <laughs> and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I as I always do, call you joyously on your birthday in January yeah. to so, to but get I you back. Say happy birthday right now, just in case, um, in case we don't connect tomorrow for what will be today when this is released. Thank you. Thank well, you. I I thank both of you for joining me, and uh, thank the Kings fans for listening. And I have to go look up Labile. So, thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>